You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the G Family Performance Center in Edmond, Oklahoma, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Sooners podcast. I'm Eric G. Why do we do this podcast in Edmond? Because that's where my wife chose to live when we came back. And of course, what do they say? Happy wife, happy life. That's why we don't do it down in Norman. If she chose to be in Norman, we'd be in Norman. All that being said, let's talk about some OU football today. And coming up on the podcast, I told you there was a weird vibe going on around defensive media availability. Lincoln Riley explains why Mike Stoops and only a couple of players were available on Tuesday. So we'll get into that. I'll tell you whether or not I agree with Lincoln Riley or I don't agree with Lincoln Riley and what I think the more important issue is as far as Lincoln Riley Uh, attacking things from this manner. In segment two, we'll take a closer look at the Baylor game. How is Baylor on offense versus how is OU on defense? We'll talk about that, and then we'll wrap things up with OU's uniform decision this weekend to go with the Rough Rider uniforms, and I'm going to throw out what will undoubtedly be my most unpopular opinion on this podcast ever. After this, after the recording of this podcast, there is nothing I can say that will be more unpopular than what I will say in segment number three. So that is coming up today. My name's Eric G. I've been lucky enough to cover OU for about four years, four and a third years. I am a credential member of the media. I work for 1340 The Game in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm the co-host of Saturday Game Day with Randy Renner, which airs on Saturday. That's why it's called Saturday Game Day. And it comes on at 5 o'clock in the morning on News Radio 1000 KTOK and then again at 9 a.m. on 1340 The Game. And it's a 30-minute college football primer show. And it also airs around the state on the Oklahoma News Network. So tune in and listen via the ONN and 1340 The Game and News Radio 1000 KTOK. Also listen to other shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Told you yesterday that there was a weird vibe around media availability when it came to Tuesday and only getting two players, which were Khalil Houghton and Imani Bledsoe and Mike Stoops, and then it just ended abruptly. You had Mike Stoops for seven minutes, had the other guys for about five minutes, and then boom, it was over. Truthfully, it didn't bother me because I have to drive down from Oklahoma City and just make it there in the nick of time for defensive media availability with all my other duties. And anytime I can get back home and see my wife and kids and start writing or working on tomorrow's podcast, then I'm cool with it. I mean, it just, just so doesn't bother me. I understand where the writers are coming from because if you had certain players you wanted to interview, you had certain questions you want to ask, story angles you want to pursue... It limits you. It really does. But for Lincoln Riley, it was important to stand by his defense. And whether or not it was treating the media crummily, as most of them thought, or whether it was a situation where you just wanted to show your guys you had their backs, this was something that was important to him and something that needed to be done because right now, there's blood in the water about around this OU defense. There's a lot of people being extremely critical of them, and as well they should be. The OU defense is the OU defense has definitely earned the right to be criticized. And whether the criticism's fair or not, you as a head coach can't put your players out there 
to always answer the tough questions. As much as we want that as fans, as much as we love it as media, as much as we want to know the answers, the bottom line is, is we can't know everything that goes on behind the walls. And there are certain members of the media that do know everything that go on behind the walls, but not everything will always come out because of confidences and not wanting to screw over your sources, etc. You, Lincoln Riley, know what happens day in, day out. You know who's giving effort. You know who's not giving effort. You know who's watching film, who's not. You get who the players are and who are dedicated to winning. And those guys who may just be screwing off in their responsibilities and just want to play on Saturday and don't really care what's going on, there also may be other things going on behind the scenes. And that may be what's contributing to OU not playing well on defense. And the last thing you want is somebody who will talk and would answer a tough question, have enough on their mind to just blurt out whatever the answer is, and then it's out there in the open, everything that's going on in your program. More importantly, you need to circle the wagons around Mike Stoops. And you need to show Mike Stoops, even more so than the players, that you've got his back because you understand what it means to be a coach. You know what it means to be criticized and have fans and media on your back. You know what pressure he's under and how he is the most scrutinized person on your staff. You got to show him, hey, it's okay. I get what's going on. Everything else is just outside noise. I don't believe it. Even if it's total BS, even if you don't like what Mike Stoops is doing, He is your defensive coordinator. And for the rest of the season, you got to stand behind him no matter what. You are his ride or die. At the end of the year, if you decide that the defense isn't up to your, your standards, then you can part ways and then you can have that conversation. But for now, inside the season, if you want any chance of success... Mike has to know that you're going to stand in front of a firing squad for him and you will take those bullets and you will pull him out of the fray whenever you need to. So whether it's scheduling a meeting and only allowing Mike to have seven minutes with the media, if if that is your strategic move or if it's your strategic move to limit it, I'm okay with it because ultimately it's what's best for the program. And we want to cover a winning program. Fans want to root for a winning program. And to allow things to fester and get nasty like they like they so often can in this situation. And, and the last thing Mike Stoops wants to feel is that every day he goes into work is that there is no one that believes in him. It's, it's already bad enough that you've got us questioning him, but what if your head coach is questioning you? What what if when you present a defensive game plan, it's always getting shot down, or when the head coach says, yes, go ahead and go with it, or even if the head coach gives you total autonomy, what if you do have the idea that he doesn't believe in you? What if players are constantly complaining and you've got to worry about them? Put yourself in Mike Stoops' shoes for a second. It's not only not easy to be in Mike Stoops' shoes, it would give the majority of us anxiety. If you've ever worked in a place where you felt like all the guns were pointed against you, your boss, your co-workers, and you felt like you were doing everything in your power to make things good, to make things right, you honestly thought you were giving your best effort, but it didn't really matter to anyone, that causes a hell of a lot of anxiety. And for the majority of us, it would make it very difficult to do their job. 
From what I can see from Mike Stoops, even though I haven't always liked what he's done or thought that he's made the best decisions as defensive coordinator, he seems to be able to power through it all right. And I think that's in no small part because the staff has his back. And by the staff, that means Lincoln Riley. So as the year goes on, if if stuff like this happens, and, and it may frustrate us, and it certainly frustrated people in Stillwater yesterday with what Mike Gundy did, which that... That I have a much bigger problem with. Let me just just talk about that for a second. I have a much bigger problem if what's being reported is true, and I can't believe that it's not, that people who cover Oklahoma State were told not to report about Mike Gundy's threats. And Mike Gundy made threats to the media about, if you report that I made threats or threaten to cut you off because of Jalen McCluskey, then you'll be cut off. Well, that's wrong. It's You tell your players... And you just tell your players before they go out, just tell them no comment. You let the Here's how you play that. Just straight up, here's how you play that if you're Mike Gundy. You let the questions get asked. You let the players say no comment. You let them, you let them ward off the media. And, and no matter what they play, eventually you can say move on. And then you also let Gavin Lang, who is your... SID be the bad guy to tell everyone, hey, we're going to move on for that line of questioning. Or you let him be the bad guy saying, hey, we're not going to ask about that. But you don't th- you don't threaten people to cut them off. You just hit them hard first or be evasive, and then that's the end of it. We can be frustrated all we want, but as soon as we find out that you're circumventing us, and we already know you are, and that there's some sort of ultimatum given... Then you're screwed. Then we're going to write about that, and I'm sorry, but you can't pull everybody's credentials. You can't cut off everybody's access. But it's also very difficult to be a beat writer because you have to have access. You have to play by the rules. And when you don't, it means taking food off your table for your family. It's tough. I've seen beat writers get pulled off the job and ultimately end up losing their job and having to go out and do things other than sports media or start their own sports media company because they had an issue with the team that they were covering and the team that they were covering had enough stroke that they could go to that newspaper or go to that television station and say, you can't send this guy here anymore. Um, If you do, we're not going to answer the questions. We're not going to give you access. You better send someone else. And then you're forced into a situation where you have to softball it for guys. So I really didn't mean to get off on that tangent today, but it's something I'm very familiar with. And Oklahoma State did surprise me, and that's only because every time I've been to Oklahoma State, they've treated me great. And there's never been a situation where I've ever felt it tense. Now, granted, I'm not in Stillwater near as much as I am in Norman, and I've been down in Norman for some tense moments. And uh, certainly this past Tuesday was one of them. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, you're a coach. you got to do what's best for your program. And if it's at our expense, who am I really to hate? Because you get paid a lot more money and your job is to win football games, not necessarily make us happy. I know that's not going to please all my brethren in the media, but that's just, it's just a frank truth. Your job is to win football games. And if we're happy in the process, then it's sort of a a nice accident. This is the Locked on Sooners podcast. I'm Ari Chi. Coming up next, we'll take a closer look at the Baylor Bears and why I'm nervous about OU's passing defense this week. (laughs) 
You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Locked On Thunder is out this afternoon or will be out this afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. It may already be out. It may be coming out. Either way, please support Locked On Thunder at LockedOnThunder.com, at LockedOnSports.com, at Google, Alexa, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Locked On Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I, uh, yeah, to say that I'm worried about OU's defense in this game, especially OU's passing defense, would be a serious understatement. OU's passing defense ranking 75th right now in the country, and some of the teams ahead of them include North Texas, is uh, one of those teams that's ahead of them. Also, Eastern Michigan, Maryland, UNLV, Auburn. Okay, you can deal with that. But behind OU, to make you feel a little bit better, Alabama ranks 80th. So OU is 75th. Alabama is 80th. Alabama's giving up 216 yards and a half per game passing. OU just 211. But hey, that's all right. That plays pretty much into Baylor's hands for Charlie Brewer who is averaging just about 215 yards per game. What is it? Yeah, 215 and a half yards per game. So OU's giving up less than what Charlie Brewer is averaging, but OU does have a tendency to make quarterbacks that are average or good look a little bit better than what they are. If you can get it corrected this week and you can just get some pressure on Charlie Brewer, he's not going to be near as successful I don't see OU really shutting down Jalen Hurd. I think you can attempt to shut down Jalen Hurd, but the more he gets the ball, the more of a pain in the butt. He's going to be 22 receptions this year, 311 yards. Not really worried about the running game. You've got running backs who aren't even averaging 50 yards per game, so that's not Baylor's bread and butter. They obviously want to sling the ball around, and you just have to know that going in and figure out a way to... Figure out a way to take it. And if they're going to kill you with the run, then they kill you with the run. But I just expect OU every year to always be better than Baylor, even though that hadn't been the case. Even though that wasn't the case when Art Bryles was around and Baylor was doing some nefarious things to build a program, I just always expect OU to be better. And one thing I am tired of, and I'm going to vent here just for a second, I am tired of hearing that this is a rivalry or was a rivalry. I don't think you can call it a rivalry one when Baylor's only won three times in this series. It's a 19-3 edge for Oklahoma. And OU had won all the meetings prior to them coming into the Big 12, and then OU won every meeting up until Robert Griffin had his Heisman moment. And I was there a few years ago when I thought Baker Mayfield had his Heisman moment. didn't turn out to be that way, but I thought I was watching Baker Mayfield win the Heisman as OU got into the playoffs that year and beat Baylor. And Dustin... Diamond or Matt Diamond. Why do I call him Dustin Diamond? Matt Diamond gets kicked off the field and tells everybody to go F themselves or F you all. I I didn't hear that because I was up in a press box. And what I remember more than anything is seeing Baylor's quarterback that night uh, in a complete body brace. It might have been the most striking image that I've ever seen in sports. But it's always struck me funny as to when Baylor fans get angry or Baylor fans get a little edge to them. One, because it's a Baptist school. And every Baylor fan I knew growing up was a snob. They, were, they, they just were. They were absolute snobs about Baylor being a great academic school. Um, somehow they always found a way to brag about Baylor athletics. But Baylor athletics wasn't even in the same category as Southern Methodist when I was growing up. Yet the kids I knew that were fans, oh, Baylor this, Baylor that. And they just had this annoyance factor to them. 
you couldn't you could talk trash. I mean, there wasn't anything to really talk trash to him about because of me growing up as an OU fan living in Texas, it was always like, dude, what have y'all done? You know, I'm rooting for a, a school that had won five national championships up to that point. Um, I, I wh- where are you coming up with this? Why is it always Baylor? And when you win just three times, and yes, Baylor may have played physical. Baylor may have been tough. Baylor may have been difficult for OU to deal with. I'm not going to call it a rivalry. I will not call Baylor OU a rivalry until Baylor can establish itself of reeling off, say, 10 and 12. You reel off 10 and 12 years against OU, fine, it's a rivalry. But I don't ever see that day coming. And no matter how good Matt Rule is, no matter how well he recruits, no matter how well he coaches his team, and so far he's doing a great job of that, trying to rebound Baylor from all the issues that it's dealing with, still, I don't... Baylor's, Baylor's place in the Big 12 is pretty much cemented now. They're a school that will constantly be behind Oklahoma State. I think Texas Tech has an opportunity to take advantage of Baylor being down and establish themselves for a long time. If you've got a choice of going to Baylor and TCU, it's really not a question anymore. You're going to choose to go to TCU, and eventually Texas is going to get better. That's a lot to overcome. You can win six games. You can get yourself to a bowl game, and if you're lucky, really lucky, I think in a five-year span, you might be able to finish in the top three in the Big 12 as these seasons roll along. No matter what Matt Rule does, I just don't get the attraction to going to Baylor. As a parent, I would not let my kid go to Baylor. I wouldn't want him to go to Baylor. Now, granted, I will tell you that I'll let my kid make whatever choice he wants to make because it's ultimately his life and he has to make that decision. But I wouldn't want my kid going to Baylor. I wouldn't want him having that stigma attached to him of playing for that team. And as an OU fan, it just it pains me to think that Baylor could even think of themselves on the same playing field as OU because I'm so used to watching even bad OU teams drum Baylor and what happened those few years under Art Bryles is still somewhat of a shock to the system and it probably should be considering what Baylor was doing to maintain that level of excellence let's hear from Khalil Houghton now okay he is from Waco Texas let's hear him talk about the in air quotes now rivalry between Baylor and OU yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely uh, when I was when I was getting recruited, it was definitely something that was uh, being more talked about. It was, it was definitely you know two content Big Twelve contenders. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely big, and you know, getting the chance to be able to play in a game like this, uh, you know, being from the being from the city, it's always it's always big. Yeah, sure. If you know the kids, you know the kids on the team, and you're from Waco, I think you're going to be more jacked up to play this game. I just I, I hope for OU's sake, with the way that Baylor has played them so tough. And I think that will always continue. That Baylor will continue to play them tough. Still not a rivalry. That OU can't take them lightly. And and hopefully what's happened over the last two weeks with OU is just the wake-up call they need not to take teams lightly. And we come out this week and see a, a much better, much more complete OU defense than what we've seen in, in the last couple of games. This is the Locked On Sooner Podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next... I'm going to say the most unpopular thing ever that I ever will say on this podcast. That I promise you next. You got to stick around on Locked On Sooners. This is Locked On Sooners. 
your team every day. Locked on Thunder comes out this afternoon. Thunder season only 19 days away. Get started with the Thunder season by listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. OU announces they're going to break out the Rough Rider uniforms this weekend, and I would love nothing more than to see the cream helmets, crimson jerseys, cream pants. I guess it could possibly be white, crimson, white. I think it has more of a cream tone to me, both the helmet and especially the pants. That's the combination I like best. The all-crimson looks really good. I'm not crazy about the all-white look. That just that look, or the all cream look. It just it, it looks weird to me. But I do like the Rough Rider uniforms. Um, even though on television you don't get an opportunity to see the wood grain as much, I still think it's pretty sharp. And I, I'm sure you've already noticed because OU fans notice every little detail about how sticker on the helmet's bigger this year, and it's, it looks a little different, and the lettering on the jerseys look a little different since the Jumpman since the the Jordan brand has taken over the the OU uniforms. I'm all right with that. I'm all right with little tweaks here and there. But at some point, there's going to have to come a time, whether we like it or not, where there will have to be some bigger changes to the OU uniform. And and what I've kind of noticed is what's going on with the Jordan brand and the lettering changes, etc., those changes may come gradual. Maybe a situation where, all right, so the jersey look changes a little, the helmet look changes a little, it stays that way for a couple of years, and then something else happens uh, another couple of years from now. Something that you don't notice so big, and then all of a sudden you look up one day and the uniform is totally changed from what you knew it. And And many schools have gone through major uniform changes. It wouldn't... It used to bother me. I used to think that OU had such an iconic look that it's not something that could ever be messed with. And quite frankly, I don't want to see OU go the route of Oregon or Oklahoma State where you've got different uniform combinations every week and you're not wearing the same uniform twice. That's not what I want. But if you do have a new uniform and it's good looking and it's something that most importantly recruits like and the players that you have on the team like now, but it's still indicative of who you are, then go for it. Do it. Um, one thing I don't like, I don't like black in OU's uniforms. Black is not an OU color. I've never been, never been for a black OU uniform, and a lot of that has to do with OSU and one of their predominant colors. They're orange and black. That's their color. So OSU can get away with all black. I don't really want to see OU do that. But if you were to go, like if, if the Rough Rider uniform was to become the uniform or something similar to that. I don't know if I'd want that to be the uniform all the time, but if you were to make the helmets a little darker than what they are now and you were to put a stripe on them and the jerseys were to change a little bit and you were to be all crimson at home or all, well, not so much all white on the road, but maybe you go um, crimson helmets, white jerseys, crimson pants, that would actually look pretty cool on the road. I'm all right with it now. I am not, I am moving, and part of it is, I will tell you what it is, as much as I love college football, and the whole reason I love college football and Major League Baseball is because they call on so much history. The past is so much part of college football and the history, and 
you bring fans in, you tre- you teach them the traditions, they learn the chants, they learn the fight songs. Um, if they went to the school, they learn history of the school. I, when it comes to uniforms, though, I'm becoming less and less of a traditionalist. And that's a lot of it is because is I cover the NBA and I see all the cool things that they're doing with uniforms. And there's some uniforms that I never, ever wanted to see messed with. And then all of a sudden, the Celtics pull out multiple uniforms or the Knicks or the Lakers. And I'm like, all right, it's pretty cool. And maybe people are all right with that in the NBA because it is more of a progressive league. It's a league that gears itself towards younger people. But also, in 82 games a night, if a few nights a year you're wearing a uniform that looks a little strange to the typical fan, then it's probably not as big a fence as when you're only playing 12 weeks a year and somebody's grown up and OU's always worn these uniforms and that's what they think of OU is, is you know the... the Crimson helmets, crimson jerseys, white pants with the stripes on the side. By the way, when I was in college, for one season, and it looked sharp. It looked real sharp. They took the stripes off the pants and put OU on the hip, kind of like Texas had. I thought that looked great. I had, yeah, and Coach will tell you, taking the stripes off has a slimming effect. Um, what else did I like? I, you know what? I didn't think the uniforms during the Howard Schnellenberger era looked all that bad. The uniforms didn't look bad. The team looked like crap. But the uniforms look great. So this is like, I could talk uniforms all day long, and I know that drives some people nuts. But if OU was to go down this road, I'm totally cool with it. I don't think Lincoln Riley wants to go that direction. I'm sure he's got a lot of people within the administration and the alumni that would fight him. But as these guys get older, as they start getting phased out, as you start talking to recruits and what they like. And again, you are talking about 18-year-old kids. You can't let them make every decision. But they are your lifeblood to the program. Then I can start seeing these little changes happen to where we wake up and one day there's a big change, kind of like what Miami had in the late 90s, 2000s with their jerseys. Their uniform changed a lot. Um, And it was sort of gradual. It wasn't really like a, oh, wow. It was kind of gradual. And they were wearing green jerseys at home and... Not orange jerseys, whatever. And I know OU's not Miami. OU's more like Alabama, Texas, Notre Dame, whatever, where you have to be traditional. Hey, even Notre Dame. If Notre Dame can go to alternate uniforms, then certainly Oklahoma can, and maybe someday Alabama will as well. But expect them to progress the least along with Texas. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast. I'm Eric G. I'm out of here, man. You end on a weird note. You got to get out of here. But thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to get you ready, talking about the upcoming Big 12 games and why Oklahoma State not only needs a big rebound game, but who has the most to gain this week in the Big 12? And it's not somebody I thought we'd be talking about. I'll tell you who that is tomorrow. And until tomorrow, may God bless you and your family. And peace, love, and boomer soon. You are locked on Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.